0: do um, for maybe five or seven weeks or so a kind of a mini series of uh, based around our theme in the up on the screen here looking unto Jesus and so we're going to do a looking unto Jesus series and so today we're going to look at a particular matter brought up here in 2nd Corinthians 13. All right, we'll read just verses 1 through 7 of 2 Corinthians 13, and we'll explain it here a little later and then see how it applies to us. 2 Corinthians 13. The Bible says Paul is writing to this church here, the Corinthian church. He says, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present, a second time and being absent now i write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if i come again i will not spare since ye seek a proof of christ speaking in me which to you word is not weak but is mighty in you for though he was crucified through weakness yet he liveth by the power of god for we also are weak in him but we shall live with Him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, we, we this is your word, uh, this is your uh, epistle that you meant for this church and you mean for us now, and um, teach us now and help me to uh, help us all to honestly recognize what it means, uh, what it says, what it means, and how it applies and embrace it today, and I pray that um, you would, beyond my words, uh, your Holy Spirit would teach every heart today, and give assurance, and give conviction, and uh, edify us as we need it, in Jesus' name, amen. And so here's, uh, as I look at this passage today, it reminds me of a couple things, actually reminds me of a lot of things. Uh, The last couple years in our church, maybe even three years, probably the last three years, we sometimes get lost and found that doesn't get claimed, like some jewelry. By the way, if anybody's missing jewelry, we don't have any, so um, (laughs) not anymore. (laughs) But usually I'll tell you if like, hey, we found this ring or we found this necklace. We haven't found a ring, but it was like a couple necklaces before the last at least three years, and uh, earring. And so I had a Ziploc bag that we just kept putting it in. And um, this last summer, uh, June or July, I think it was June because it was around Bible time, had the Ziploc bag. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go to a gold place. And, and so up the road here, uh, by, kind of like by Houston and um, Gilbert Road, there's a gold place on the west side of the road there, <clears throat> gold exchange type deal. The guys were nice in there dealt with them in small place and took that little bag ziploc bag in there and I don't know again there's a couple there's a couple necklaces there's a couple of earrings can't remember everything but um, so it became the churches because somebody didn't claim it so but we had it um, once it had him look at it and the guy went through a kind of a process i don't know i can't describe it perfectly but basically he he laid everything out and he looked at one thing at a time and uh, he did a certain test for um, well first of all he pulled a magnet out (laughs) because if it's stuck to a magnet it's like it's not gonna be worth much like nothing Um, because it's just metal so you know because people try to um, have phony things so he's testing it with a magnet Took his time, tested it with a magnet, each of the pieces. And then he did, so he had at least two other tests, and I think it pertained to maybe like uh, acid or something like that. Um, and uh, one, I think it was a different one he had for silver. And he tested it. He's like, okay, the silver. And he weighed it and did a separate little note of the silver. And then he did. Um, it, it was like I think three different categories but the one that was the best was gold there was a gold necklace actually there was a couple of things that was gold but the one was a nicer it didn't look that nice to me it looked like this but it had a it was substantial and it was genuine something carat gold and he he took he tested that with this whatever it is is it, it's like an acid thing is that what they do bath to do okay Beth works at a jewelry store, so they tested that thing, and he's like, yep, this is good, and he wrote down the price for that, and there was like three different categories. He added them up, and he says, this is what we'll give you, and it was like something like two, two $225 to $250. I didn't, have a like bag, and so I was like, all right, and so they wrote us a check and asked us to give them a good review on one of these things, and I didn't. But, I mean, I didn't give them a bad review. I just never got around to giving them a review. Here's the review. Go over there. It's a good place. It's right over there on the west side of Gilbert, north of Guadalupe, south of Houston. There's my review. Okay. I don't remember the name of them. But, um, but anyways, so they, they wrote us a check for $250. It was like around $250. We used $50 toward um, uh, Neighborhood Bible Time. And then $200 went as credit toward the camp fund. It helped reduce some of the kids, the teens' camp. So if you want to reduce next year's teen camp, leave some earrings on the ground and uh, necklaces and we'll collect them. <laughs> so, all right, it, yeah, amen, it'll reduce teen camp. But here's what I want you to notice, you probably already know what I'm talking about, is that they tested, they tested this stuff before they gave me anything. I hand them, go, here's some gold. <laughs> well, we're going to test that, we'll see. They examined it. Paul uses the word here, look at verse 5, the first word of verse 5 is examine the word there means to go, the root word means to go pierce through and go to the other side. That's the root word. And it's what we think too, it's scrutinize. What is Paul talking about here? Let's look at, let's look at the, let's get, first of all, get familiar with this text. Verses one to three, he talks about coming to them again. This is the third time I'm coming to you. So what's happening here is Paul has, has this relationship with this church, Corinthian church. He helped plant it. He's been there at least twice already. He's coming the third time. Been there once to plan it. A second time, follow up for some issues, and now he says, "I'm coming the third time." And he describes the language. If you were to read, remember it. The language there is like they kind of have this critical spirit toward him, and you can pick that up in some of the other First and Second Corinthians. Some of the Corinthians, maybe even a good number of them, were kind of like this about Paul. He doesn't look like a flashy apostle. He doesn't, his speech is contemptible, his bodily presence is weak. He just doesn't seem like the guy that I like to see on stage preaching to me. They kind of had this attitude of like they wanted to be impressed with flowery language and stage presence and charisma. A lot of the Corinthians wanted that, that impre- that, to be impressed with kind of human wisdom and um, charisma, and as I said, stage presence, and Paul just didn't have that. But there was something, if you looked at Paul long enough and listened to him long enough, he had the power of God through himself, who, when he was weak, he found himself strong. Paul had the power of God, though it didn't look like, on the surface, man's power. So here's my point. The Corinthians, some of the Corinthians, like, they told Paul, we're not sure you're really an apostle. We need to seek the proof. Look what it says, verse 3, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking to me which to you, word is not weak, but is mighty in you. You, you want it to be where uh, we know Christ is in you if we see some kind of strongness about you. They, there was a good number of Corinthians that just said, we're not sure about you, Paul. We want to see the proof of you being an apostle. And one of the things he says is, I planted the church, didn't I? You're my proof. And so there's a lot of things. Paul continued to write to them as if he was their apostle, even though some of them didn't believe it. He continued to be the authority of God told them to be over them. And anyway, so here's the thing. He's coming down to the end of the letter. He's saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be seeing you soon. I know you still, you think maybe I'm not really an apostle, but that's okay. I'm going to come and I'm not going to spare. That means he's going to pull out all the stops and something. I don't know. When he comes to visit, it's going to be different. But he says, you're seeking a proof of Christ in me. But then he turns the table. Here it is, verse 5. He says, examine yourselves. Are you a Christian? You don't know if I'm, you, you suspect if I'm even an apostle. You examine yourselves. They became sermon critics. They became critics of the, his poise and his look and his gestures and his sound. And even wonder if he's really an apostle. And Paul turns the table and says, why don't you look back at yourself? Are you in the faith? Examine yourselves. What does the verse say? Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. While they had had questioned Paul's credentials, Paul goes back and says, Look at your own credentials. Are you even in the faith? You know, when we went to the Magic Mountain, not Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm this last week and SeaWorld, we rode some roller coaster rides, and it was pretty fun. Um, one of the things you do when you get on that roller coaster ride, when you're sitting down and they're giving you the spill about what to do, you just like click, 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 clunk. And you're like, okay, it's right there. Okay, Are you buckled? Yeah, buckle. Yeah, all right, and you got the thing? Yeah, I got the thing. All right, just hold on. Right. You know what you want to do? When you, when you start to go down, you scream, okay? Yeah, okay. You know, and I'm telling my kids this, and Grant was funny because Grant... Grant loves to scream at the house. He loves a reason to scream. So finally we get a roller coaster ride and he can scream! Ah! Uh, he loves just this manly scream. He loves to scream. And so, so, when, we, so when we are going to do a right click, 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 and right when you're going to turn, we haven't even hardly accelerated yet. He's already going, uh, he's already going, uh, 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 and we're like, Grant, you don't have to scream yet. You got to wait till you accelerate to kind of get the diaphragm moving so it doesn't freeze up from the G-force. Uh, he's just the one to scream. He's screaming the whole time. Finally, we're like, just let him scream. He loved it, huh? Isn't that funny, Noah? Noah, by the way, side note, is the bravest, bravest Henry there is. So I'll have to tell you about that later. He wanted to go on everything, and I disappointed him that I couldn't go on all of them because he was a little scared. <laughs> so he wasn't, though. So anyways, but I did tell Noah, who doesn't eat olives, I will eat an olive. So I got you beat. So anyways... So here's what we did. We went on those roller coaster rides. And you know what it is? When you're sitting there like, okay, I want to make sure I'm secure. I don't want to fly out of one of these things. I don't want to be the next news item. So before you're all leaving, you're checking, and they're walking by. They're going, checking you, checking you, you know, and making sure you're in. Because you get flipped around. In fact, there's this one ride, uh, Hang Time. Is that what it's called, Noah? My wife and Noah went on this thing called Hang Time at Knott's Berry Farm. It starts out straight up, not like oh, it's straight up. No, it's straight up for a long ways. I don't know how many stories, and then it goes like this. It's just going slow, click, 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 straight up, and then it goes like this, and then it, it's going to do a dive. But it goes like this, and just it, I'm not joking. It literally goes like this and goes stop, yeah. and waits there for a little bit, because. I was, before my wife got on there with Noah, I was sitting there and I'm talking to one of the boys and I hear this lady go, ah, 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 and I look up and that thing's going like that. And this lady's going, ah, ah. I mean, it, was a re- it wasn't like this is a fun scream. This is like, I'm going to die scream. And I saw her husband or whoever he was go like this and just hold her. And it just sat there like that, several stories up. And then when it finally goes down, it doesn't go straight down. It goes down and back a little bit. It goes back and then it does a, whatever all the crazy stuff. That I'm too old for now. I'm too old for that. And uh, but look, no matter what that right is, I want to be secured in. I want to. Am I am I locked in? I want to be locked in. So here we are all sitting down spiritually. You got to ask yourself, and that's what Paul's telling the church: Are you in the faith? Are you secured in Jesus Christ? That's the question he's asking them. You look at yourself, is what he says. The word examine, again, let let me just quickly define a few of the words that are right there. The word of God says examine. It means to go beyond to the other side. The word prove, notice it says prove your own selves. He doesn't say, Paul doesn't say, hey, I got you sorted out. No, he says you prove yourself. Prove means the word prove. This is a great word. It is the word that the, the, the word they used in this language in this day would be the word that one of those metal exchange guys would have used if they had a metal exchange. He would prove metal. They'd bite it. They'd, they'd do a, cut it with a knife or they'd perhaps do other chemical tests to prove the validity of coins in that day. They used that word. I'm not, I am not remember the, how to pronounce or what the Greek word was, but it was that word. It means to scrutinize, to test the authenticity of the metal. Then he says, know ye, notice these words, know ye not. Do you understand? Do you know if Jesus is living in you, he says? Okay, let's remember, again, let's pretend this is Paul to the Corinthians, because that's what it is. Do you examine yourselves? Prove your own selves like you would prove metal being claimed as gold or not. Test that. That's, That's a crucial thing. Know yourselves. Do you know if Jesus Christ is in you? Or are you a fake? Reprobate means it's a phony. See, there was, two, there, was real, there was two types of coins. There were sincere coins, real coins, and then there was coins they tried to pass off, and the word was, oh, it's reprobate. It's a phony. It might look like it. It might glisten like it, but once it was tested, it was thrown aside, cast away. Paul says, check yourselves out. And then he says, look at the end of verse 7. He says, I just want you to do, verse 7, that which is honest. Do that which is honest. If, if you're not who you claim to be, then just get honest about it and do that which is honest. Even if he says, even if we are fakes, why don't you at least get real? Because that's what he was saying. They're like, well, I don't know about you, Paul. Paul says, even if you think we're reprobates, why don't you just go ahead and get honest with yourself then? By the way, I, this is what everybody needs to hear. Stop saying stuff. Well, I don't know about Christianity, so many hypocrites, blah, blah, blah. Well, don't be one of them. Don't be a hypocrite. If Christianity is real and true, then believe it. If Christ is real and true, believe him in spite of all the people that are faking to believe him. Don't let a hypocrite take you to hell. And so don't let that hinder you. All right, so here we go. Paul's saying, um, examine yourselves. Otherwise, if something's not honest, it'll be cast aside on the day of testing. So also with me, if I go through life having been a critic of sermons and people, and I go through life criticizing and critiquing, having though been in church and having been, like Corinthians, kind of a Christian culture and Christian talk, and yet at the end of the day and the next life when God tests me and I found to be truly not in the faith, Then I will be a castaway. I'll be considered reprobate. the The whole message is really wrapped up in this verse right there. I said it again. Examine yourselves, Paul tells the Corinthians. We should tell ourselves, whether you be in the faith. That's what I need to look for. Am I secured in Jesus Christ? Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. So here's what we want to do. Three three things and in our time to consider this whole thing of accepting this challenge of proving ourselves. We look at, there's false tests of proving if you're saved. Just like there's false tests to prove if you have COVID, You know, and there's some false tests so they don't work. There's false tests for a lot of things. Then there's true tests on proving if you're saved. And then we'll just end with a few practical thoughts. So this is what we're going to look at based around this challenge by Paul back then that continues to today to prove myself. Am I in the faith? And by the way, I'm not doing this to try to create an unnecessary doubt in somebody's mind. The Bible says that you can be saved, and not only can you be saved, you can be saved and know it. Some people belong. Some people. Here's the thing. You know some people, they have like, unfortunately in life, there's some kids, they... Are the son of a certain person, but they're not sure of it. So they get a DNA test. You can become a child of God and know it, according to the Bible. There's some religions, including some in Catholicism, who say, no, I had a guy rebuke me. There's, how, how offensive it is of you to say that you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. And I'm like, what do you mean? You, even a Catholic Bible, can find that in there. And No, but John and Paul and Peter and Jesus taught the fact that you can be saved and know that you're in the faith and you're going to heaven. So let's look at this. We'll there's three parts to this verse about having assurance. Number one, there's false tests. There's false tests. Let me tell you, let me describe to you about five false tests that people take on themselves to give a false assurance that they're a Christian and that they're going to be safe with God on the other side. Five false tests that you can't depend on. Number one, the first false test is well, I believe in God, and I believe there's one God. So I must, be, I must be okay. Again, some people say, I believe in God, so I'm okay. In other words, I acknowledge there's a God. I believe, it. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe there's only one. It's kind of this academic faith. You know, I know some people. I should say persons, I know of, and you do too, who are more intelligent than you and I, who've lived longer than you and I, who've seen more things than you and I, and some of them have even seen manifestations of God, and we haven't, and these persons believe in one God, and they're going to hell. It's the devils. James said, the devils believe in one God and tremble. But that doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven. They've already made the decision, and they rebelled with Satan at creation or before creation, I should say. And they followed Satan. They and they continue on. They're, they're destined for hell. Some of them are already chained there. Not all of them though. And so they're. But they 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 know there's a God. They know there's only one God. That doesn't mean. So that's like for us. It's just because I believe in. Well, I believe in God, so therefore I'm okay. That's a false test. Number two is another false test. Just because you say, well, I've done many wonderful works for God. Let's look in Matthew 7. Some of these we'll look at. Some of them I'm just going to have to give you the reference. It will be here a little longer than uh, would be necessary, but I'll give you some references. Here's one of them we'll at least read, Matthew 7. Now, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, verses 21, 22, 23. Listen carefully to his words. Matthew 7, verse 21, 22, 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Now, by the way, there are religions that are, I don't even think have the gospel. And they'll use the name of Jesus Christ to cast out a devil. And they might do many wonderful works. People in certain religions or even a church like this, they may pay to build a hospital and do many wonderful works. And some prophesy. Like maybe I'm And... And then Jesus says, will be people in that day, they gonna say, Lord, Lord, what are you talking about? We're not going in. We, 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 we prophesied in thy name and we, we cast out devils in thy name and done many wonderful works. Look at all the stuff we built. And then Jesus, this is Jesus. It's not me saying what I think Jesus will say. This is what Jesus says he will say. Verse 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I didn't know you. In that saving sense, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There was something lawless about behind what they were doing. Iniquity means lawlessness. Did you know? If somebody and I'll let if somebody will correct me on this, they can, and I'll receive that. That I believe. Gee, how many apostles did Jesus have, or disciples? His first, twelve. And who was the fake? And, you know, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it said Jesus gave power to his 12 disciples to heal and cast out devils. That included Judas, had temporary power to do many wonderful works. But Judas wasn't real. So, a false test, like, well, well, in other words, so where are we at? It's like, well, don't, don't just sit there, well, ah, of course I'm a Christian, because look at what I've done. Look what I've given. Look what, I've, there's some things named after me. And no, don't, don't do that. It's a false test. Let's move along here. Number three, don't have the idea, well, of course I'm saved. Of course I'm on my way heaven. Because look, obviously God's blessed me. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Did you know that the Bible says in Matthew 5 45, Jesus says, God is so loving and so merciful that he'll send rain on the just? And on the unjust, he'll bless people. He'll, he, he may see fit to bless the, the atheist farm, because he's merciful. The point of that passage is, you need to be merciful to the people who aren't good to you, because you want to be like God. But it shouldn't be where it's like, "Of course I'm fine. Look what I've been blessed with." Uh, the Bible says in Mark 8:36 and 37, that a man could profit so much. That he, A man can profit so much that he gains the whole world, and yet his soul not be saved. God can allow a man to profit to an, to an extreme materially. I'm telling you, this is the words of Jesus. God can allow a person, Vegas, with strip clubs and all these other stuff and casinos, and just let them profit. Okay, that doesn't mean, oh, see, obviously, God's blessing me. Nope, don't say that. Don't you know, he, yeah he is blessing you, but don't say that you have a relationship with them and you're saved. That's a false test. There is a mentality in, Christ, in in American minds and in the what we call the charismatic movement mind that says gain is godliness. Look how I've gained. Look how I'm bump. I got the bumper crops. Look how I'm blessed. So God must be approving of me, supposing that gain is godliness. Gain is not godliness, and poverty isn't piousness. It's neither of those extremes. So, all right. So that don't say, well, I've been blessed, so I must be okay. Don't say number four, five tests here. Well, I have a strong Christian heritage, so then I must be. So I must be okay. I mean, my my dad and mom were Christians, and my grandparents were Christians, and my great grandpa was a pastor, and everybody loved him, and my and and all this. The Jews tried that with Jesus and John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. I'm, I'll just give you these passages. Luke 3, when John the Baptist came on the scene preaching to religious Jews, religious Jews who had the right Bible, who had the right theology. And he says, you need to still repent of your sins. Messiah's coming and don't say, well, we're, we're, we're children of Abraham. We're fine. That's what he said. John the Baptist said, quit saying you're okay with God because you're daddy was good with God. That's what John the Baptist said. Uh, my mother's side, the Morgan, we had like an uncle or somebody did a whole bunch of genealogy. And some of it you want to see, some of you don't, you know. And, but apparently there was some Baptist pastor in Rhode Island, and it wasn't Roger Williams. But, and so we had some interesting things in our heritage, but it doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. You know, God has children, not grandchildren. God has children. I like grandchildren because they came from my children. But God has only children. That is people who become belong to him can belong to him only by faith in Jesus Christ. You are the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, you say, my dad I, or my mother, my dear mother, I, if anyone is a Christian in this world, if anyone went to heaven, if anyone had a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, it was my dear mother and I was close to her heart, so therefore I must be okay. No, God had his child, but he doesn't have his grandchild in you. You have to, on your own, be born again. Be born again. so which brings us to this next point, verse, um, sorry, not verse, point five is this. the The fifth false test is when a person thinks this. Well, other people think I am. Other people think I'm a Christian. So I'm using them, their examination. Is that what you think? No. Don't ask another person to prove you. Prove yourselves. Examine yourselves. Did you know that this is a very interesting passage. There was a moment in time from John chapter 2, the end of John chapter 2 and John chapter 3. Here's what happened. Jesus went into Jerusalem one of the times and he did these miracles. And this is exactly what the Bible says. He did these miracles and it says many believed on him when they saw the miracles he did. And it's a weird chapter when you first read it for the first time because then it says, but Jesus didn't commit himself to those who believed on him because he knew all men. He didn't need that any would testify of man for he knew it was in man. So it was like, it's kind of weird when you're reading it. You're like, "Oh, Jesus does these miracles and all these people in Jerusalem are like, yeah, he's the Messiah. He must be a master of Israel and he must be something. We believe that. And Jesus is like, mm, that's not the kind of belief I'm looking for. Next chapter, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same, so this is a religious guy in authority. The same, that guy came to Jesus by night and came to Jesus and says, Master, we know you're a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So here, all these people see what Jesus did and like, wow, that must be Messiah. Look at these miracles, and it gives a case in point. The next chapter, Nicodemus kind of sneaks in at night because people will get upset up when they find out he has an interest in Jesus. And he says, we know you're the Messiah. Nobody could do these miracles. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus is like, what? And Jesus went on to explain the concept of like, it's almost like he just had this head knowledge of Jesus, and he was infatuated with him as a miracle worker. But Jesus says, "You need a spiritual. This needs to be a spiritual work that you give into, in a sense, and you believe me from the heart, and the Holy Spirit works on you, and you you're born again." And he had to teach this master of Israel these things. There was this book. I didn't get to read all of it, but there's this book called "Kabwei," not Cowboy but it's called "A uh, uh, Bible and Pocket Gun in Hand." It's funny. It's kind of funny. It's true though. It's called Frontier Religion. No, Religion on the Old Frontier, something like that. But it says Bible in pocket, gun in hand. It's, it was printed like 75 years ago. And it tells these stories of like when our country was developing and things were going kind of west and south and different churches that were getting started and it kind of the goofy goofiness of some of these churches. You know, we're kind of like well, pretty well organized, believe it or not, here. Um, but some of these churches it was like you had the backwoods preacher and you never know if you came into church you never know don't forget the clock forget it you never know when he's gonna be done and sometimes you never know what he's gonna say I mean so but they would preach and there was different you know different religions and different things but this guy followed kind of the little different instances and stories that happened on the frontier of different pastors and some of them weren't you know they probably could have been trained a little better some of them didn't even know what a theologian was. Now, you don't have to be a theologian to be a Christian. You don't have to be a theologian to be smart. But it's kind of good to know what a theologian a The Bible teacher just usually has a doctorate. And I'm not one. Far from it. But here's what happened. This guy, this Baptist pastor is preaching. is like somewhere in the south, like in Texas, East Texas. And he's preaching away, preaching away, and all these people. And, and people are kind of, like, kind of like a revival service. Some people are under conviction. He's preaching away. And this guy walks in. This guy with this fancy hat comes walking in, fancy mustache, and has a gold-headed cane. Comes walking right in the service, comes through the door while the preacher's preaching, and and sits down. I'm not picking on anybody, but just sits down here and like that, and and uh, and and the preacher's preaching. it just kind of caught his eye. this guy, this guest here. He's like he's preaching away, but. And finally, he, as he's going, he, he kind of asks some questions to some people that were kind of sad and under conviction. Some people are going to be saved. And finally, he just he keeps, preach, he keeps preaching. And he goes to the other guy. He says, he, just, he had to ask him out loud in front of everybody. He goes, sir. He goes, are you a Christian? And the, the guy sitting there, of course, taking off his fancy hat and had his cane. And he says, sir, I am a theological professor. And the pastor is like, oh my goodness. Oh, well, I wouldn't let a little thing like that keep you from coming to Christ. You know you can't be saved with anything between you and God. And he was a sincere, he didn't know what that was. But quite frankly, he might not have been saved. I'm, to, I'm here to tell you, this is the honest truth. The very first time I heard that little story I told you, this is the truth. This is the truth. That little story I told you, I heard that story and I went and bought this book. But the very first time I heard that story, it was a church planner named Wally Higgins was preaching this at my Bible College chapel. He was preaching, and he told this story to all of us students. And we had one of our professors sitting over here. And he preached it, and he told that story, and he laughed. He goes, ha, 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 what do you think about that, Dr. Pulliam? He's like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, yeah. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And I never thought of it until years later. Dr. Pulliam became an agnostic and died lost. Suddenly of a heart attack in his early 50s. And he was that unsafe theologian. So he couldn't say, and he was one of the most intelligent persons. He is the most intelligent person I have personally ever met in my life, personally. It was that, that teacher I had, one of my many teachers. And uh, I remember that was the first time. So here's the thing. All right. So all right. <laughs> am I in Jesus? Am I saved? Am I in the faith? Okay, we can know that, but don't count on why I believe in God. Don't count on why I've done good things. Don't count on what people think I am. Don't count on those false tests. Here's at least two good things you can count on. And the first is, I would say, the most, the primary and the first to look at. True tests. True tests. Number one, the faith test. The best way to know if you're in the faith is faith. Look what it says in verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. That is, I'll just say it for me and my sake. I am clinging to Jesus. I can't see him. I know enough that he existed. He came, he died, he rose from the dead, and he was God, and he's coming back, and I'm clinging to him, and I know he can hear my voice when I called out to him. I'm trusting him. I'm, not, I'm in the faith in that. States, in that I am in. I, am, I, am, I trusted him, and I know that since I trusted him, he's actually now holding me so that if my faith is weak, he's still holding me. I'm in the faith. It's kind of like you get in a car. You're either in the car or you're not in the car. You might be in the trunk. You might not have a good seat. You might be on the floorboard. You might be in the back package rack. You might be on the front windshield, unfortunately. If you're in, you're in. And same thing with being saved. You're like, well, I kind of have, my faith is kind of weak. Listen, if you have a diamond, if it's a little diamond, it's a diamond. If it's a real diamond. If you have gold, if even it's just a little gold, a little gold is gold. And if you say, I just have little faith, if your little faith is placed on Jesus Christ, then you have the full salvation. And being saved means putting all my faith in Jesus Christ to save my soul, not to enhance my life, not to put a band-aid on my financial problems at this moment. It's to save my soul from sin. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? Test yourself. I can't. I you can ask me for my opinion. I can be like, mm-hmm, maybe. But my... It, Let's take the let's take the angle that the Apostle Paul, whom God had ordained to, to influence these churches like ours, says, examine yourselves. You know, um, Peter said, give all diligence, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. First John 3, 23 says this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another. Romans four verse three, what saith the scripture? How did Abraham get saved? Abraham believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. It was a true personal saving belief that Abraham had. Um, you don 't have faith for faith's sake, you don't have faith in faith. you know you know I, I trust in the Baptist Church. I, I like the creed of this church. I like this church or I like this this cultural aspect of Christianity says, so yeah, I'm trusting. No, that doesn't. You're having faith in faith. You're having faith in a creed. You're having faith in a culture. Having faith in a person, and the person is Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you can love. And though you see him not, you can rejoice in that faith of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And so, of tr- first test, this is why This is why it shouldn't be too complex on getting assurance of salvation, because the Bible puts a premium on one primary word or a synonym of words of Faith, believe, trust and in a personal sense. Um, you know, my a couple of my wife's, you know, my wife and a couple of her siblings, they grew, they grew up in pastors' families, and and there was eleven kids, and they grew up hearing and acknowledging and consenting mentally to the tenets of the faith and the culture of the Christianity that they're raised in and but a handful of them and my wife was one of them I'll name all but my wife was one of them a handful of them really didn't have it real personal until they're in a teen a teenager Then they examine themselves like I'm not in the faith I'm in the church but I'm not in the faith and my wife being one I remember the service when she and I believe it was her sister too they were saved at and a service probably one-fourth this size. And she's like, I really wasn't saved. You know what happened to my wife, too? If I remember right, it was basically one time a person asked her, so when were you saved? You know, Deborah, a little cute little lady, you know. I don't know, she was 11, 12, 13, I don't know what it was. Somebody asked her, the pastor, so when were you saved? And she said something like, oh, it's kind of a generic, a uh, baby or something. And it was kind of a, and it wasn't so much her answer, But it was her thoughts and her thought, when really was I? What did I really do? And she was already wrestling with some doubts, like, is the Bible true and stuff like that. And that began a one or two year process of her wondering. And then she finally made her salvation sure. She was 16. Well, am I buckled in? Well, what am I doing? I'm trusting in Jesus. You know, I like the language. That the King James Version is, says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart, the word thou and thy, you're like, I don't understand that. That is singular. It's one person, you. What is it, second person, thou? Second person, singular. It's saying you, and not just you, this you is general. It could be plural or singular, but when it says thou, it's say, narrowing it down to you individual. Here's another test. We're just staying with the text. How do I know if I'm in Christ? Am I in the faith? Am I, am I buckled in? Yeah, I'm trusting in Jesus. And here's another kind of reinforcement test. There's only two that I want to emphasize, and they're really right there. He says, prove yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? Here's the second part. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Here's the second test. So we call it the faith test, and there's the friend test. Jesus Christ being the friend, the friend of Jesus that's within. Jesus, the Bible says when you accept Christ as your savior, spiritually he comes in you and it's technically the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in you. He's in you in that sense In that sense of, of Jesus himself being, he sends his spirit to be in you. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're saved. That's God's spiritual seal if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his, it says in Romans. Think about think about yourself. I, I can't I, I, I mean, I can just give you the word today. Romans 8, you could read some verses. I'll, I'll just give it out to you in case you're taking Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 14 to 16 talks about the Holy Spirit indwelling. If The Holy Spirit goes to live in you. That means he, you belong to right. him. After that, you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance till the redemption of the purchased possession. God says, I'll prove to you that I own you now, putting my down payment, putting my earnest on you. My earnest is in a person. Oh, you, that little five-year-old just trusted me. I'm sending my Holy Spirit in him. He's sealed him. He's staying in him. And that's the, yep, I'm going to snag him on redemption, uh, rapture day or death day. And that's uh, till the I'm sealed with him till the redemption of the purchased possession, the day that I actually get brought back up. God seals us with his Holy Spirit. You ever get counterfeit bills? What do you do on a counterfeit bill? If you think it's counterfeit, you ever get hey, how many of you ever had some cash come through your hand? And you're like, wait a minute, anybody like that? Anybody ever had some? Come to your hand. We're like, no, we all swipe cards, fast. We don't know cash. <laughs> no, and I don't care if you do. But, but we some of us. You know, wait, I've done garage sales. We've watched it. If you have a garage sale, that's where people try to switch over, because they got counterfeit and they. Ah, you're not usually. You don't have your fancy black marker. Hold on, you know. <clears throat> but my wife one time was we like, what? they took off. And we're like, what? Wait a minute. not. So we went to the. The bank and the bank, like, oh, this is counterfeit. I can't remember what we had to do for that. I think they had to report it or something. We didn't get in trouble or anything, but you know what they do, right? What's the first thing you do besides feeling it? What do you do? What do you do? Hold it up. Hold it up. What are you looking for? The, the conspiracy theory. No. <laughs> That's right. Huh? What are you looking for? Huh? The face. The face, yeah. What else are you looking for? Yeah. S- huh? The spider. Spider. <laughs> is that what you say? A spider in the corner on the dollar bill. You're looking for the band, right? The thing that ah, oh, there it is. You cannot look. All right, all right. It's it's got the seal or whatever. And, and with us, we gotta think: Is there any sense in my life? And I believe on Jesus, and that should be it. But is in addition to that, is there any sense? Right. Listen to me. <laughs> you know, I'm no more important than you. If I get saved to have the Holy Spirit, and you have the same one, you have God's Spirit. Is there any sense, like? Yeah, he's there. There's things that God's developed in my life that it wouldn't have been on me. There's a certain love that I as like, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In other words, when you let God have his way, he produces things that it wouldn't just be of you. Do you get a sense where there's certain conviction that you've had at times in your life? You're like, that's, uh, there's another, somebody else talking in there. Somebody's whispering to me saying this is the way walking in it and this is not the way. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit being in you. The Bible talks about that. It it, uh, talks about conviction of sin, about not grieving the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's some times where it's like, God sent a comfort over my soul from within. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit of God... You belong to Him. If you have not the Holy Spirit of God, you're none of His. And the only way you can get the Holy Spirit of God is just to have exercised genuine, saving faith in Jesus, saying, Jesus, I acknowledge what you did, and I come humbly before you, admitting I'm a sinner, and I ask you to save my soul, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not whoever consents to a statement of faith. It doesn't say whoever likes the church or doesn't like the church. It's whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Let's conclude on this thought now with a few practical thoughts. I just want to say a few things. So we're like looking at this text. Paul said, hey, you, you examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. You might be in doubt of me. Why don't you check yourself out? And that's what we're saying by today. We should do the same thing. My, uh, I've told you this before. One time my boys, they went swimming at my in-law's house. And my kids, it was Johanna, Michael, Gideon, Susie. And I think only the three were swimming at the time. And they're out in the pool. Johanna and Michael had some kind of swimming or float, swimmies or floatation device. And, um, and that was like, I don't, I don't know who was out there. Oh, my brother-in-law Phil was one of them swimming, maybe one of the other aunts too. And so Gideon come walking out. He's just a little dude and he couldn't swim at the time. But he sees Michael and Joe are out there swimming. And he's like, and he just goes running out. He can't swim. This dude can't swim. He knew his siblings couldn't swim, but he's seen them floating around. And he's like, again, maybe four. And he just goes, and he goes and jumps out there. And Uncle Phil was there, my brother-in-law. He jumps out there and, and he's like, ah, ah, you know, like this. And Phil's like, hey, he grabbed them. Phil grabbed him and pulled him up. And Phil kind of chuckled a little. He's like, he thought he could just swim like they did. He didn't realize he didn't have a floaty on. Gideon, Noah's laughing now. You're going to tell Gideon about this, huh? <laughs> and so, he, 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 and so he, he, he just presumed he was okay. He just presumed, I ah, just jump in. He was okay. And that reminds me of the next life. Some people, they just presume, I'm just going to jump into the next life. I'll be okay with God. No, you're going to sink in your sin unless you have something outside of yourself that comes in you, Jesus Christ, that saves you and makes you fit with God. Otherwise, we'll sink. So this last thing, here we go. If if I'm saved and I know it and I need to know it, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, if I personally genuinely believe that Jesus is my Savior and I put my faith in him, Paul, John says, you have it. You can know it. You got it right now. If I know that, then here's a one, one of three practical thoughts. Then be baptized. If you know you're saved, say, I know I'm saved and I'm going to show it. It's the answer of a good conscience. I have a good conscience toward God and I want to show that I'm saved and I'm identifying with Jesus Christ and being baptized is very simple. Go out into the water. We do a simple baptism under the water. Come back up in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and it's your first way of saying you're a Christian. If you know you're saved, then be baptized. If you know you're saved, then we can be joyful. 1 John 1.4, John says, I write these things about assurance of salvation that your joy may be full. I might crash in a lot of things and feel pain in a lot of things in this life and I will but I'm not going to crash with God. I'm going to land safely in the next life. And be joyful. And then thirdly, if I know I'm if I'm saved and I know it, then I can be courageous. There's a you can make a whole message out of this and I'll try to make it short. If I know I'm saved, then I'm safe with God. My biggest problem is not other people. My first biggest problem in life is God. I got to make sure my problem with him is solved that I'm not there's no enmity between me and God. And then I've accepted his son and there's peace between God and I. So now I don't have to have my conversation be filled with covetousness. I can be content with such things that I have because he has said, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." So that I can go on and boldly say, "The Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man can do unto me." And John or Joshua was told by God, Joshua, you're taking Moses' place. Don't be afraid or dismayed. Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. It was God, God's way of saying to Joshua, you're saved and I'm not leaving you. And so therefore, because you're saved and you're safe with me, go be courageous in conquering this new land, Joshua. That, that's one thing I, it's like, I need to learn to be even like, maybe I need to go back to that roller coaster. You know, I can be courageous in, this, in that sense. God's with me. You know what they said? I'll. I, I, I. Has anybody been to the Golden Gate Bridge? I want to go there. That is really cool. I think it was built during the Great Depression. Fascinating, the history of it, and its immense size. I. I read in the construction because some people died in the construction. I think the guys was the guy's name was Strauss, who's the I think it was a Jewish guy actually. Uh, the designer and everything. And he wanted to make sure that they mitigated deaths. And he he did some things that were, in a sense, in that day, um, ahead of its time and safety. Several things he did, but I'm not going to name them all. So when they were building the bridge, there were people that were, that had died and fell fall to their death in the cold waters and the long fall in other ways. And... um, and the work, you know, people were like, well, I don't know about this. You know, some people were a little hesitant working. And, um, um, but they, 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 so finally they built these safety nets to catch them. <laughs> Under the, uh, they sus- somehow suspended these nets. I think maybe even a mile, isn't it like a mile long? How long is this thing? Like a mile long? They made these nets, extended them out. And then... If a man fell, he was caught, most of the time he was caught in the net. The only exception was when they said one time, scaffolding fell and ripped the net and went through. And in that case, it fell. But people had, some people had fallen in the nets and were saved. They may have been still you know, wet their pants, but, but they were saved. But here's one thing I thought was interesting. Is they, they said that the work, the pace of the work, the productivity of the work, was a certain rate before they put put the nets in, and then when they put the nets up, the productivity of the work went up twenty five percent. Because then men knew, and some of them, quite frankly they're probably all crazy anyways. <laughs> I mean, but anyways, the, the the guys are like, okay, we're good. If I fall, I fall, you know, and, um, and so they worked a little faster because they I'm safe. And I think it's, we should think that way. Hey, I'm in the faith. I'm safe. I mean, I still, like I, you know, there's still some fears you got to deal with, like I self-confessed earlier. But wait, ultimately, man, I'm safe, so I should be more courageous in this life because my biggest issue is taken care of. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. I say that for you, and if you're already saved, say, thank you, Lord, for that. And use this thing to help somebody else, maybe your own kids. And I say that for others who aren't in the faith. This is the day to be in the faith. It takes a sincere consent of the heart and confession of the mouth to trust Jesus as your Savior, and you'll be in the faith in that moment. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the word today. and Thank you. for.